All right, how's everybody doing this morning? Everybody good? All right, a few of you are good. It's awesome. Good to hear. Um, my name is Michael Page. I am the campus pastor here at Connection Church in Pooler, Georgia. Uh, if it's your first time here this morning, which I've seen a few familiar faces, I hope you guys have been taken care of. I hope that 17 people have said hello and good morning and given you a high five at least. Um, if not, stay around and I'll give you one after service. Um, um, our heart in this place is for people. We love people. We love that. Um, we, we love because Jesus loved us first. I mean, God is doing some cool things in our, in our midst, and I love what he's doing in people's hearts. And so if this is your first time here, um, if you're looking for a church home, we would love to have you here. If you're not, you're just visiting, welcome. Um, but I, I just, I'm just i so excited for what um, he's doing here and what he wants to do in your life individually. And like I said, if this is your first time here, and this may not be your church home, I got a, I got a, I got a secret for you that God has a special plan for you to be carried out in your life. And all you have to do is submit, surrender to him, and he'll, you'll see it carried out. Um, so this morning, I just want to tell you how excited I am. I'm beyond excited about worship, about what God's doing in our worship ministry, about what he's doing in the hearts of our people as we worship. And, you know, God is moving in mighty ways in the hearts of his people. And I cannot think of a time where I've been in my life where I've been more excited to be involved in the church, in God's church. You know, we're watching people. We're watching God align people's hearts to extraordinary things in the kingdom. And what I see is we're seeing um, God connect our, our, our church with some foreign missionaries, missionaries that are, who are reaching the unreached. And when I say connect, I mean they're coming to their connect groups, they're praying over, they're sending them out, they're con staying in contact with them. With them. Um, a few of our connect groups have adopted these missionaries and are, and are supporting them and praying for them. And, and I've personally, in this church, right now in this room, I've personally had conversations with two or three people who are, who, are, who are feeling the call to go to the ends of the earth to share the gospel with people who wouldn't hear it otherwise. That's not normal. It's weird. Right? It's weird in our culture. Um, just to kind of give you an update on where we're at and some of our outreach stuff, yesterday, I think it was yesterday, um, some of our connect groups went out to Chatham Apartments, and they did some ministry work with some of the kids and families out there. Um, I think they had some food and did some Bible stories and different things like that. And I love watching God work in the hearts of his people to be servants of Christ. That's what it's about, to see God move in the hearts and lives of people in a way that's not normal for them. And the world is, is, is in need of that. And I tell you, I've said it a thousand times that we will be a church that honors God with our first and our best, or I promise you that we won't be a church. I'll resign. All right, we'll, we'll disband because we have to be a church that's about the lost, that is about the unreached, that is about the people who are the least of the kids for the kingdom. And that is the best. That, what that means is our best of our, our time, our treasure, and our talent. You hear that a thousand times in here, but we'll pour that out to see the kingdom built here and abroad. That's what has to be done. That's what we have to do to see a church on fire for that. And so I'm excited. I'm not sure if you can tell. I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about where God's going to lead us. I'm excited about where he's taking us from. So if you're involved, great. It's awesome. Dig in. But if you're not involved in here this morning, if you've been coming to church or this is your first time and you feel like God's saying this might be the place, get involved. It doesn't. You don't have to keep coming seven or eight times before you get involved. If you've been three or four weeks in a row and you feel like this is the place God has for you, let's take that step. Visit the next step table. Get involved in a connect group. Get involved in heart and soul and serving. Getting involved in where God wants to line you up at. I'm telling you right now, it will be very beneficial for your life when it comes to kingdom work. And, you know, that's so, it's such a big deal. And it's time that I think for, for the longest time, I feel like the church has been playing this game of church where we just come to church and we go home and we go to a connect group or we come to church 
then we go home, and we may go to a connect group. We might serve every now and then. We might do this, but there's no meat in what I read about in Scripture in the church. And so this morning, we're going to continue in our, our, on our series called Disciple and what a disciple looks like. But what I tell you right now, the, the world needs a church that's alive. The world needs a church that's full of the Holy Spirit. The world needs a church that's alive and active in the community that they're living in and working its way out from there. That's what the world needs. And today we're going to be looking at what that looks like in our series, the six weeks of our series called Disciple. You know, we're going to, but, but I told you all last week and the week before, we're setting a theme for this year. 2019 is going, to be a, is going to be a year of next steps. So if you're here today and you haven't taken a next step that you know God has put on your heart to take, it's time to do it. This is going to be the year that we're going to encourage you guys to take those steps. Some of you are in church today for the very first time in a very long time. I'm just guessing. Maybe that's your first step. Maybe that's your next step where God's leading you to the, to the grander picture of where he's leading you in your life. This week, what we're going to do is we're going to continue talking about what it means to be a disciple. And, and at Connection, we've, we've created this definition from Scripture that we believe kind of oversees all the areas of a disciple. And this is what we think. If you, if you had not been here before, I'm about to give it to you. If you've been here for six weeks now, you should have already written it down. <clears throat> Just saying. So it says this. It says, someone who follows Jesus is being transformed by Jesus and has joined Jesus on his mission. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus, someone who is being transformed by Jesus, and someone who has joined Jesus on his mission. And we believe that this description of a disciple plays itself out in a disciple's life like this. We believe a person is a, is a servant. We believe someone is a worshiper. And we believe someone is a missionary when it becomes, when it be, we're following Christ in this way. We're, they're a servant, a worshiper, and a missionary. And over the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about what a missionary is and then how being missional is applied to our lives in an everyday kind of faith. And we've already talked about, we've already clarified over the past few weeks, a disciple is, of Jesus is someone who has joined Jesus on his mission. And a missionary is defined, if you want to get a definition, if you're a note taker in here, a missionary is defined literally as someone who takes on a mission. Okay, that's easy, right? It's good. Missionary. That, that means a disciple takes ownership of the Great Commission. If somebody doesn't know the Great Commission here, I'll share it with you in a second. But what it means, if you're a disciple of Christ, it means you've taken ownership of the Great Commission. That's what that means. It's not just Jesus' mission anymore. It's, it's become personal to the disciple that follows Jesus. It's not just his, it's yours now. It's, it's your mission to see the kingdom come and his will be done. And if you're a follower of Jesus, the mission of Jesus should be very important to you. And if it's not, there's reason to evaluate where you stand at in your faith this morning. And that this is something to be questioning yourself on constantly. Where am I at, Lord? And last week we talked about worship. Worship is a worshiper. And worship is, is an overflow of a, of a right view with God, a right view of God. And how when we see God for who he really is, our natural response is true worship. When we see the God of the universe, he created the cosmos, he's, he's laid out creation before us. When we see who he is, our only, our only response is worship because he's great and good. When we feel the weight of our sin, because I, ha I mean, we're all sinners in here. I, I have a bad announcement. I mean, we're all sinners this morning. And we understand our sin and we understand the cost of our salvation. Our natural response is to tell the world about the good news of Jesus. The good news of Jesus that's found in Christ. And anything else points to a heart that hasn't understood the way of the gospel. Anything else, it points to that. And to, 
to be a disciple is to be a missionary and those two things can never be separated if you're a disciple you are a missionary you are and this morning I think sometimes what happens is we get so narrow-minded in our, and we get so self-focused that we fail to see the bigger picture that God's trying to do around us. Today we're going to be talking about a disciple being a missionary in the sense as, as us becoming a part of what God is already doing. And I think too many times we think about what our mission is, what our individual mission is, like, like us personally. And we end up missing the bigger picture of what God's plan is. And if we ask God, God, what is your will for my life? Everybody in this room has asked that in a prayer of some sort, of some fashion. God, what's, will, what's your will for my life, Father? It, we'll miss it if we're asking that question because we need to change that question to how does my life fit into what you're already doing, Lord? How does my life already fit into what you're already doing? Because the first question assumes God started something brand new, a brand new mission when you were born. Right? The first question, it, it assumes that, that, that God has some sort of divine, you're going to have some sort of divine impact that God couldn't have already had without you. And it puts the focus back on self. But the second question acknowledges God's sovereignty and greatness and begins from a place of humility. God, I'm a man, I'm a sinner. God, you saved me from my sin. God, where does my life fit into your plan? I want to serve you. That's a place of humility. And that's all we can do in this story is, is to come into God's story and be a humble servant before him and telling the world about his glory and his love. And that's what a missionary is about. And that's where we're going to be at this morning. So I want to pray for us really quick, and I want to jump into Matthew chapter 4. We're going to be in three quick verses this morning, so if you don't want to keep up that fast, they'll be on the screen. But we'll be in Matthew 4, John 20, and Matthew 28. Matthew 4, John 20, and Matthew 28. So Father God, we love you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for the love that you have for all people. I thank you, God, for the work that you're doing in people's hearts in this room. God, I pray against the, the walls that are up, Father, in people's hearts. I pray that you would tear them down right now in Jesus' name. God, the gospel would fall on soft hearts, God, and, and, and fertile soil in hearts, God, this morning. I pray for the barriers to be broken. I pray, Father, that you would teach us something new from your word. God, guide us into all truth, Father, this morning. It's your name I pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to look in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. And this is at the, the very beginning, close to the very beginning of Jesus' ministry on earth. It's a very short verse, Matthew 4, verse 19. And it says this, it's Jesus is saying to his first disciples, he's saying, Come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. So, backstory: Jesus comes up to these guys who are fishing, and his sovereignty, he sees these guys, these guys are my disciples says, come on, follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. And so they come immediately follow him, and they go on to the next town. They go on to the next guys that they are going to, to, um, to bring into the, the, the disciple. Um, if you look over in John, uh, John chapter 20, verse 21. This is Jesus. He is a, he's, he's died, and he's rose again, and he's appearing before the disciples. In a very uh, awesome fashion, he comes in and says, peace be with you. I'm like, Lord, listen, peace ain't what I'm feeling right now. You know what I mean? Feeling a lot of fear, feeling a lot of overwhelmness. This is scary, Lord. You come back from the dead. Okay, you don't get, all right, it's crazy. Okay, verse 21. So again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As, as the Father, if you are taking notes or you have, a, you have a pen, circle that. As the Father. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And so... That blew my mind when I was reading that. And we're going to go back. We're going to hit this again later. 
But this blew my mind when I read this. Just as the Father sent Jesus, Jesus is sending us into the world. Just as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So that tells me if I'm a Christian, if I'm a follower of Christ, that means my life should look a lot more than me getting dressed and going to church once a week. Okay, and so it needs to be a, an intentional following of Jesus. Flip over to Matthew 28. If you don't know this first, it's, it's, uh, it's the Great Commission. That's what I was talking about earlier. So one of Jesus' last commands to, the, to, to us as followers. It says, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, because I've got the authority, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the earth. Hear that this morning, guys. There's a command to go, a command to go. Basically what this is saying, you know Jesus. Now you go out and tell other people about Jesus. Tell them everything that you've learned from me. That's what the Bible is saying about this, right? That's the simple version. And I'm going to tell you what, um, when I was growing up, I'm not sure about you, I grew up in a small Baptist church. I tell everybody I'm a recovering Baptist. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a, in, a, in a going to a small Baptist church out in the country, and every time the doors were unlocked, I was there, bro. Like seven weeks, seven days old, I was in the church. And I remember every few months a missionary would show up at the church, and there was always, they were always kind of weird. Like, I was a little boy, and I was like, that's weird. You know, they're kinda, they were kind of dressed weird. They kind of talked funny. You know, and, I, I'm, and this is from a seven-year-old perspective, okay? I'm not being rude. But... And their names were usually something like Herb or Martha or something. You know, it was, they were, and they always, they always had these slides they would bring to them with church. And, it, and I'm not talking about PowerPoint slides. I'm talking about those translucent, like, clear slides that they would put on an overhead projector. And for those of you who don't know what an overhead projector is, it's this big old metal box. It's like 50 pounds, and it has a light. It shoots up in a mirror, and it shines through that translucent slide and throws the words on the, on the wall. Okay, got y'all? All right, we're good. All right, but back then... Back then, in my mind, those missionaries were the varsity Christians. Those guys were like up here, and me and my family were down here. Like, I wanted to be like them, but I was like, I, I, I can never be like Herb and Martha. They're, they're, they're going to Africa. They're going to Asia. They're, they're, they're serving the Lord in all these different places. And, you know, what we did was we paid these guys money. It was kind of like a big scheme. Like, we were paying them money to go do what we were supposed to be doing. Yeah, we were paying them to go be missionaries, and like, it's, it was weird, and so, you know, I was just basically a loser, I was sitting in my house and just doing whatever, my, my parents were working, and we were in the States, and, but we made ourselves feel better by, by contributing a few dollars in the love offering after church, that is, after they got done speaking, and that made us feel good till the next year, but unfortunately, for the longest time, man, for the longest time, until I was in college, this was the only thing that came to mind when, when the church would talk about missionaries, was, was Herb and Martha coming to my church. And talking about Africa and the work God was doing there. But this stereotype that has attached itself to my mind as I was growing up looks so different than what I read about on the pages of Scripture when it says what a missionary is. Those people that came to my church were saying yes to Jesus and living a radical life to see the gospel reach the ends of the earth. And they understood that this wasn't a job meant for this Christian, but not for this Christian or this Christian, but not this Christian. It wasn't a job for this person or that person. What I looked at as odd and weird back then when I was young was actually just a normal Christian, right? They, they were just on mission for God. And, and you know, that's what I saw is what, I, what, what they were doing was, was being done, not because they were missionaries, but because they were Christ followers. 
And so I had to break that stereotype because they were Christians. They followed Jesus. They were on mission. Their mission just looked different than mine and my family's mission did. And the only thing different is they were obeying and what they were doing was normal. What I was doing by sitting in church once or twice a week without a second thought about the mission of God was actually the odd or the weird thing. That was the weird thing. And those people's lives were changed by the gospel. So what happened is they were going where God said go and they were doing what God said do. And I'm not sure if you guys, if you guys sit in this section, if you ever have, whenever we're doing baptisms, well, I'm doing it once, so I guess that's a bad example, but like, if you, if, you were, if you were sitting over there during that time and you heard, we ask people three questions when we baptize them here. We ask three questions. We say, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came to earth, lived a perfect life, and died on the cross, was buried, raised again, and defeated, defeating death? We just, that was a very long version of that question. The second question is, do you believe that Jesus has done everything necessary to save you? The third question is, do you promise to go wherever he calls you to go and do whatever he calls you to do? Those are the three questions. And we don't ask these questions flippantly, guys. Like, we're, we're very intentional because they're foundational questions for every person who has to, that has to get it right in their heart to be saved. To put these questions another way is, do you believe the gospel? Do you know the gospel? Do you believe it? And then the second is, are you going to respond to the gospel by sharing the gospel? Because anyone who's received the gospel gives the gospel. Always. That's the way it works all throughout Scripture. Remember a few minutes ago we agreed that all Christians were missionaries and that every disciple of Jesus is on mission with Jesus, right? That's what we said. And what that means is whether that means we're going to our neighbor across the street to spread the gospel or we're going to the Yadav people in India where there are no Christians at all right now. We're on mission. Even in Scripture, Jesus himself, he, he looks at himself and, he's, and he, he declares to the disciples that he's been sent. He refers to every Christian as sent. And we need to stop saying and wondering in our bedrooms and our, our prayer and our prayer closet or wherever we're at, we need to stop having these wonders of like, am I called? Am I called to do this? Am I called to do that? Am I, have I been called? Because Jesus cleared that up in Scripture for us, and he even cleared it up as to where we're called. He's cleared that up in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. If you want to turn there, you can. It's be on the screen if you don't. Acts 1, verse 8. He says, but you will receive power. It doesn't say you might. You could. Maybe. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And there's some very, very important words in there that are very small that you overlook them. It says Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. It doesn't say Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or the ends of the earth. And church, I want to tell you, like, we're just as responsible for the ends of the earth as we are for Jerusalem. We're just as responsible for the ends of the earth as we are at Chatham County. And I want to tell you, like, you were not born by chance. In this room, you are not a mistake. You may feel like it, but you were not born by chance. The Spirit of God has breathed His life into you and your body, and it was done with great intent. It was not a mistake. You have meaning. You have purpose on this side of history, and you've been called by the King of Kings to be His messengers to the world. That's a great calling. And this is what Jesus meant by what we read a few minutes ago of a different, different kind of version, but it says this in John 17, 18. It says, as you sent me into the world, and this is Jesus talking to the, the Father. He says, as you sent me, God, as you sent me, Father, so I am sending them into the world. Guys, that doesn't make sense to my human brain. 
Can you imagine the, the day, or no, you can't because it's, it's an infinite number, when, when God was like, you know, we're going to save the world through Jesus. You're going to go. You're going to do it. You're gonna, we're going to see, we're going to get glory from, the, from your death, burial, and resurrection. Can you imagine what that looks like on an everyday life for us, guys? If it wasn't, if it wasn't so you could be, Jesus being sent wasn't so you can be successful and make a great name for yourself. Wasn't, Jesus wasn't sent for that. Jesus didn't send you into the world through your salvation so that you can make a great kingdom for yourself. It was so that you can make much of Jesus and make his name great and spread his glory throughout the earth by being a faithful image bearer of God. In Genesis 1.20, it talks about that. We're image bearers. We've been sent out to bear his image to all the nations, to bear his image to the world. Why do you think the enemy's trying to distort the image of God right now and all these different political games we're playing? Listen, we're image bearers. Being saved, quotation, being saved is just the beginning you take a step up and say, Lord, I want to receive Jesus. I, want to, I believe, I believe, I, I, my doubts are crushed. I know you're God. That's the first step. But many churches are comfortable with creating converts without creating disciples. We create these people who raise their hand, they get baptized, and then where do they go? We're meant to be equipping. We're meant to see people get saved and then equip and then send out. It's just the beginning. Nowhere in the pages of Scripture that I've read, and I've read a lot, like nowhere in the pages of Scripture does we find one single individual in the Word who was saved from their sins and didn't go out and do great things for the kingdom. Every single person that had an encounter with Jesus and eyes who was open to see who he was as God began radically sharing the gospel all over the place, sharing Jesus all over the place. Because they realized that nothing on this earth mattered more than knowing and being known by God. Nothing you can fill your time or your wallet with matters more than knowing and being known by God. Paul in Philippians 3 verse 8, my favorite verse in the Bible, he calls everything scubula. If you don't know what that is, go look it up. It's a Greek word for a profanity. In the, real, in the original text, it's profanity. It's crap. He says, I count all things crap as compared to knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Look it up. Scubula, it's the Greek word for, you know, okay. They realized nothing on this earth could stop, could stop them if they were empowered and sent out by the Holy Spirit. They realized that nothing on this earth was worth more than the gospel because they found something worth more than anything in the world. And spreading God's glory to the ends of the earth was the only logical thing that they could do because they saw how good he was. Guys, there were more, there were people in the world that didn't know about Jesus and they hadn't heard, and that didn't sit well with the early Christians. So my question is, why does it sit so well with us? Why does it sit so well with us that there's people in our towns that don't know the hope of Jesus? Why, is there, why does it sit so well with us that we're okay with just playing church? This is why the early church grew so fast. <laughs> this is why the early Christians made disciples at lightning speed. It was like, poof, blew up. 3,000 people one day. Man, it's awesome. 8,000 people, a couple chapters over. It's nuts how fast it grew. It, was because, it wasn't because they had some fancy program or some cool sign on the door or some, you know, some awesome service with awesome worship and lights and these different things. It was because every believer in the room, all of you, us up here, everything, we were all operating as a missionary, and we went out and pursued people with the hope that was found in the gospel. That's why it grew, because the gospel is so tangible, it's so attractive, and the reason why people don't open up and receive it is the same reason why people don't go out and, 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 and share it is because they don't understand it. 
They don't get it. And let me tell you that today that you've been sent. There's no such thing as a foreign missionary. If you're a Christ follower, you're a missionary. It was it's spirit-filled and spirit-led people living in obedience. That's what it means to follow Christ. Spirit-led, spirit-filled, living in obedience. And this is what makes me beg the question. And let me tell you, every question I ask in here that's hard, I ask myself ten times for me. And I say, Michael, if you're claiming to the world that you're a Christian and that you're a disciple of Jesus and you aren't passionately pursuing people with the gospel, do you really know the Jesus of the Bible? It's a question we need to ask ourselves. Have you really experienced the gospel? You know, what the American church has done, I see it all over the place, is it's mixed the American dream in with the gospel. The American dream and the gospel, they mixed it all together, and it's created this false doctrine, this false gospel that's deceived people into thinking that the gospel is really about themselves. Right? God, I must have been really awesome that God came and saved me. Like, it, it, turns it, it turns it around, and it makes it about you and not about God. And it's not about you. It's about the glory of God being revealed and a man coming and dying for your sins that you couldn't do in your own ability. That's the grace of God played out on the cross. And what this has done is it's created a large number of ineffective churches who are so focused on the inward body that it can't even begin to think about how to focus on the outward world that's lost and dying. That's what it's about. It's created a lot of plastic Christians who have no clue or where to begin when it comes to making a disciple or being missional, or it, and it leaves them paralyzed. It just it makes them paralyzed. I'm gonna go through the motions until I die. Hopefully, my salvation's stuck. You know, it makes it makes us paralyzed. And what it does is it breaks my heart when I have conversations in churches like, "Who are you discipling?" I don't know. Or, or like, "How do you make a disciple?" I, I don't know. Like, it, it makes me feel terrible to know that people don't understand the hope that's found in Jesus. And I'm talking about Christians. It hurts me. And I'll tell you this, is it's time for the church to get back on track, to get back on task. And I want to tell you this, know this, to be a Christ follower in here this morning, Jesus said the, the gate is narrow, but we act like it's huge. The, the gate is narrow. And to be a Christ follower is to be a self-denying disciple maker who has the mission of God at the very center of who you are. To be a Christ follower is to be a self-denying disciple maker who has the very mission of God at the very core of who you are. It's not about being self-gratifying. It's not about going out to find your best life now or, or doing these things and I'm, I'm, I'm going to name it and claim it, Lord. I'm going to get this, I'm going to get this car. This it's about denying self and living for God, taking blessings and struggles of the same time because it rains on the godly and the ungodly is what scripture says one thing i promise you this one thing i promise you this as a pastor is connection will always be a sending church a sending church a missional church and we won't be a church at all we won't be a church because any church that doesn't have the great commission at the center of their dna has forgotten has forgotten their purpose and is nothing more than a social club that has a cross on the front door and, and in the process of that, what they're doing is they're going through a slow and painful and dramatic death. When you start seeing church politics overshadow the, the, the Great Commission, you're starting to see a church declining. And what happens is what Charles Spurgeon said. I love this man. I wish he was still alive. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. And I'm like, Michael, relax, bro. You're kind of being harsh. 
Listen, I'm simply trying to challenge us as a body to step into the calling we all have in Christ. I told you before we started that Jesus loves you very much. Jesus loves you all so much that he died for you, man. He laid it on the line for you to be able to be the person that he created at the, the beginning of time. And we're doing well, we're doing pretty well as a one-year-old church, but we have a long way to go in this. You know, he's worth every earthly thing you could possibly lose in pursuit of him, I promise. And the problem with our American church is the, our American church culture, what it's done is it's created these Christians who become nothing more than these weekend warriors who, who man their pews or their chairs on a Sunday morning, but very rarely make a disciple. And as we grow in Christ, there has to be growth that we as a church can be, begin to affirm in one another. I need to be able to look at Evan. I need to be able to look at James. I need to be able to look at you guys and say, you are growing in the Lord, and it's awesome to see. I love watching what God's doing in your heart. That's what affirmation happens in the church, and that's how the church grows, and that's how the church gets sent out. Affirmation, that's what a church is about. Listen, it's way more. I mean, how else can we determine church membership? How can I determine if we're members of this church? Is it because your name is on a roll and you have a heart and soul t-shirt? Heck no. That's not what makes you a member of Connection Church. What makes you a member of Connection Church is that you are a Christ follower and that you're on mission for him with our church. That's what makes a member at any church. You were saved so that you can become to the church on Sunday. You were not saved so you can come to church on Sunday and attend a connect group on, on, during the week. Those are the baseline things that kind of equip you for the real work that God's created you for. This is a time of equipping. So your connect group is a time of equipping to go out and, and to do the work that God has called you to do. The church equips you for the kingdom work. It's simple. It's what's in Scripture. You were redeemed. You were rescued. You were, you were bought back at a huge price. It's called redemption to be a part of the kingdom of God very actively, not passively, not to be a stagnant outlier, but to be a part of the intricate body of Jesus who has been sent out into the world to do what he's called us to do. What that means is you guys, every single person in this room, has a very specific set of skills. Gills. Hope you're not fish. It's weird. You have a very specific set of skills that God wants to use either where you're at, where he's planted you right now, or where he's leading you in the future. And so there's no question ever if you've been called. You should never say, have I been called, Lord? The answer is yes. The only question a disciple should answer is this, is are you being obedient to the calling you have to go make disciples, teach, and baptize? Are you being obedient to the, to, the, to the calling that you already have? And I'm not talking about making disciples in the, in the context that American church has kind of taught us by going to Starbucks for an hour and counseling someone on their life. That's not discipleship. Discipleship is intentionally leading someone through Scripture to Jesus, teaching them how to follow him and being intentional and getting them on the mission. That's discipleship. And a few questions I can, I can kind of give you this morning to kind of help determine if you're being obedient in the calling that God has in your life for the Great Commission and being missional is to look around you right now. Look around you. Who in this room this morning is here as a direct result of you pursuing them to come to church? Number two, how many disciples have you made that are making this other disciples in your life? Not just this week, in your life. How many disciples are you making have you made that are making disciples right now? Number three, how many people know Jesus this year because you led them to Christ? And number four, how much of your time, your treasure, and your talent is spent for kingdom work versus personal pleasure in your future? 
to help you think through what a missionary looks like, I have some uh, two or three truths really quick as we close that I want to share to help guide your thinking. Number one is this, is in the life of a Christian, the question is never, am I called? It's always, how am I called and where am I called? It's never, am I called? It's always, how am I called and where am I called? And after you say yes to Christ, after you say yes to him, I'm following Jesus, after you say yes and you begin following him, for the rest of your life, you've been called to be connected to the body of Christ and to be missional by sharing his love with other people, with words, and make disciples of all nations. And don't get me wrong, the older you get, the, the, as you grow older and you grow more mature, the how and the where, it may change. The how may change, the where may change. You may be led to do things and live in places you never dreamed of, but one thing I can tell you for sure is the call to be missional is one that's never revoked. Never revoked. And that's why this, that's, that's why this is, am I called question I keep telling you about? Am I called? Am I called? Am I called? That question will get you in trouble if you start asking it. Because it's kind of like the prayer we, we always pray sometimes. Lord, be with me. Right, who's ever prayed that? Be with me here. Right. Lord, Lord, we ask that you come be with us. Right. It's just a religious prayer line. It's talking points to God is what it is. It's what it is. Because, listen, I've prayed that way before. I actually prayed that way this morning with some people. And I said, what am I doing? I'm, I'm preaching about this later. I'm like, stop it. Like, we need to stop praying that way. Because, listen, he promised you in this verse, and surely, surely, he even put surely in there, I am with you always to the very ends of the earth. Okay, well, he's with us. Stop asking for him to be with you. Great. So this, it's the same thing. It's the same way with being missional. Like, the, the question should no longer be in your prayers, Lord, what is your will for my life, and what do you want me to do with my life? That tells you right there that you have never read your Bible. Because there's a lot of verses in here that tell you exactly what to do. And a lot of people are waiting for the clouds to open up and the sun to shine on them and be like, I want you to do this. And sometimes it might it may be like that. Rarely will it be like that. Most of the time, God wants you to obey his written word before he starts giving you a spoken word in your heart. Okay? Obey the word that's written. Make disciples. And as you're making disciples, your calling will become more and more clear. I promise. As a Christ follower, it should always be, Lord, how and where do you want me to serve you as I'm living on mission and making disciples? That's what it looks like. It's a constant listening. That's why the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing, to always be connected. That doesn't mean I'm walking around saying, Lord, thank you for this. It might, but in your head, you're always connected to what God's trying to do. Lord, what, you, what do you want me to do? What, what do you mean to say to this person? You may do what? I, I don't know, Lord. I mean, I wouldn't do that out loud because people think you're crazy, but in your head, be, just be thinking about where God's leading you. Number two, the call to go doesn't mean you don't sometimes stay. Let me, let, me, let me word that out for you a little bit. The call to go doesn't mean you don't sometimes stay. And I hear, I hear people all the time, most, mostly my, my, my Baptist you know, compadres I used to go to church with, that used to always say, well, there are people right here that need to hear the gospel. I'm like, I know. I know, okay, I know that. And I respond with, you know what, you're right. And we haven't done that very well. And let me tell you, but don't forget, Acts 1.8, it says, and, and, and. And as a church, we're called to, to go to all these places. And my goal is to be the church that reaches out to all these places. But we will always start with our Jerusalem, which is Chatham County. And as a, and, and, but individually, for you today, as you're searching your heart and saying, Lord, how? And where do you want me to go? How? Where do you want me to minister? We must remember the call to go doesn't always look like you're moving your family to Africa. 
It doesn't look like you're always moving your family to Asia or India. Sometimes it does, and you need to obey, but sometimes it doesn't. Okay? So disciples, uh, no disciple should ever feel guilty, ever, or judged because, because of how and where, how they're wearing and how and where it looks in their life. How, they're, how and where it looks compared to somebody else. Because that somebody else is not what God's called you to do. The, the key is to be obedient to what God is telling you. As long as you're faithfully making disciples and living out by the power of the Holy Spirit, as we see in scriptures, keep pushing forward. Keep pushing forward. And sometimes the call looks like moving to a neighborhood that, that, that you can be more effective in for the kingdom that you can't currently be in your own neighborhood. Sometimes it looks like you being invested in the development of missionaries as they go to other nations to reach the lost. Sometimes it looks like intentionally leading a connect group of men and women who are raised up to be disciple makers. Think about the person that discipled Billy Graham. My Lord. Think about the person that discipled Billy Graham's disciple. My gosh. Think about that. He didn't know what he was doing. I mean, literally, he didn't know what he was doing. Two, two generations later, this man's saving millions of people. That's amazing to think about. His faithfulness led to that. Just be consistent in the obedience of the call to go everywhere and do everything God has called you to do and do it without question. I was sharing with someone this morning before church, the more and more and more that you reject the voice of God in your heart, the less and less you'll be able to hear it because it becomes numb. Learn radical, quick obedience in your life. Learn how to hear the Holy Spirit and learn how to say yes. Just step into it no matter how crazy it sounds. No matter how crazy it looks, step into it. Because being a disciple is to be missional. And so let God lead the how and the where and let go of the reins. Let him take control. That's where it's about. And the last point I have is this, number three. Is rarely is the calling to go easy or comfortable. Rarely is the call to go easy or comfortable. Rarely. If you think living for God is easy and comfortable, I'll venture to say that with confidence that you aren't doing it right. <laughs> um, uh, you know, there's a verse in 2 Timothy that says this, 2 Timothy 12 through 15, I think. See, 3, 12, I'm, I'm sorry. 3, 12 through 15. It says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil, evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from who you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Keep pushing forward. And I'm going to tell you right now that we cannot as a church, we cannot as individuals fulfill our callings to follow Jesus while living in our comfort zones. Can't do it. You cannot fill your call to Jesus by living in your comfort zone. You cannot do it. When it comes to my calling, I have, to, I have to have the kind of faith that's not dependent on my plans working out. When it comes to my calling, I have to have the kind of faith that's not dependent on my plans working out. I have to be okay with them not. Mark 8, verse 34 through 35 says, Then Jesus called the crowd to him, along with the disciples, and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must what? Deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Guys, hear me on this if you've heard nothing else. It's to be effective as a follower of Christ. 
We have to constantly lay down our desires, our dreams, our goals, and our plans at the foot of the cross all the time. And we have to leave them there and not pick them back up. Leave them there and let them die there. You know what's going to happen if we don't? We're going to pick them back up and walk back into the thing we walked out of. Because my natural tendency is to think that of myself as a better God than God. If my dreams and my desires, my goals, or my plans are good for the kingdom, guess what? God's going to give them back to me better than I imagined in my small, finite mind. Give them to Him. Guys, God loves you. His love for you is unimaginable, and it can't even be earned, and the gospel can't be ignored. And when you come face to face with the love of God found in Jesus, we're left with a choice this morning. We're all left with a choice this morning. We, we, we accept it or we reject it. There's no, there's no in-between. There's no in-between. You, you accept it or you reject it. Regardless of the reason, we accept it or reject it. When you understand the fullness of the gospel, your only desire is to give it away. Give it away. Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Here, here, let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you what Jesus did in my heart. Let me tell you about my life before Christ. Let me tell you about life now. Let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you. I love you, let me tell you. And that's why every disciple is a missionary. That's why we believe every disciple is a missionary. There's a missionary named Oswald Smith. He said this. He says, no one has ever, no one has the right to hear the gospel twice while there remains someone who's never heard it at all. No one has ever heard the, no one has the right to hear the gospel twice while there's someone who's never heard it at all. And this morning my question is this, what about you? What about you? Have you ever felt the weight of God calling you? Have you ever felt the weight of God's, God's presence in your life moving you to be a missionary for the gospel? Have you ever stopped to think of what great cost the gospel cost him was given freely to us? If you haven't, it might mean you never experienced the gospel. And I say that this morning with great fear and trembling. And the gospel, man, what it did is it showed us something that God, that about God that creation could never show us. You know, our God is, is a faithfully pursuing Father who wouldn't let us go even after we rejected him. That's awesome, man. And when it comes time to when it came time to pour out his judgment on mankind, guess what he did? He poured it out on himself first. And he'll release us from the punishment of that if we'll just accept that and trust that. And we can, we can know the power from creation. We can know the power of God from creation. Look around you, the sky, the stars, the trees, the oceans, the mountains. And we can know the justice of God from our consciences. I know this is wrong. I know this is right. But the only way we can know the love of God is looking at the cross. That's the only way we can know the love of God. Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While you were still living in your sin, Christ died for us. Do you want to know who God is? Well, the cross shows you, yes, he's holy. Yes, he's, he's, you're unrighteous. You're unrighteous. He's righteous. But he came after you anyway. And that's the gospel. That's the gospel this morning. He's not just a righteous God angered by our sin, but a merciful father who wants to save us from our sin who's willing to interject himself into history, into our place, into our place to suffer the wrath that was meant for us so that we could be spared. And this morning, that's what he's done for you, done for me, done for us, so that we can share with the world that there is hope, that this is not all there is. And this morning, if you've been playing games with the gospel, if you've been playing games with God, if you've been hearing the calling, if you've been feeling his drawing in your life and you said no, you've been rejecting it, I want to give you an opportunity this morning to, to make that right. 
first of all, there's an altar. There's people who want to pray with you. And this is not some church game where, well, it's time for lunch. Michael, got to go. Can't, can't, let's talk to God right now. I got to go eat at the Golden Corral. You know, that's not what it's about. It's about letting God have his way in you. It's about God letting God have all the time he needs to work in your heart. And this morning, if you've never received the hope that's found in the gospel, I want to give you the opportunity right now to do that. If, if you've never experienced the love of Jesus in the way that I've talked about it today in the gospel, and you've never turned from your sins and started following him, I just want to ask you, if you want to do that this morning, we want to pray with you individually. And we want to ask you to be bold. I want to ask you to be very bold because these people in this room that are saved and that know Jesus are going to celebrate with you. I'm talking about, when I say celebrate, I mean like, I mean on, your, on their feet, fired up for you. If that's you this morning, and you wanna, if you want to step into that relationship, I just want to ask you to raise your hand. Is that you this morning? Anybody? It's huge. Biggest decision ever. Okay. Is everybody saved, I hope. <laughs> if not, we're going to sing a song here in a second, and I, I just want you to feel free. This altar is open. This is a safe place. People want to pray with you. This is a place to lay down your stuff and not pick it up. So feel free to be here today as long as you want to be here. Kevin and play till five. Just, just, just kidding. Just kidding. But feel free to be here as long as you want, to pray as long as you want, to do anything you need to do to get right with the Lord today. So let's pray, and then as I pray, you come. Father God, we love you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you for uh, the cross. I thank you for all that you've done in our lives in this church. Father, I pray that you would move in this time. I pray that people's hearts will be changed. God, that you, you would just uh, do something mighty in this place. God, be glorified before we honor you. We lift your name high, God. In your name I pray. Amen.